0: Good morning, my name is Patrick and I am one of the pastors here at Sovereign Grace and like Brendan welcomed you, I'd love to welcome you too to our online Sunday morning service and we still are able to gather around God's word and what a privilege this truly is. We're going to continue going through our series in Luke and so if you have your Bibles, would you turn in them to Luke chapter 5 and we're going to pick up where we left off last week. We're going to start at Luke 5, chapter 1, and read all the way to verse 11, and then I'm going to pray. Verse 1. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats. And so they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to pierce bone and marrow able to meet us where we are at right now, even in all of our homes, though we are not able to be together around your word, by your Holy Spirit, you can speak to us. And we ask that you would speak to us, refresh us, encourage us, help us to see who you are. And would it cause us to respond appropriately? Lord, would you help me today to articulate clearly And to be a blessing through the preaching of your word to its hearers, In Jesus' wonderful and matchless name I ask. Amen. I'm not sure about you. Have you ever come across those stereograms? Those kind of auto-stereograms? You might know them as those magic eye images. You can go into a bookstore, you can go into a shop, and you can get these gift books where you um, look at images... Um, and it just looks like a bunch of shapes and different colors and sizes. But if you stare at that image long enough, you're supposed to be able to see another image that's in um, the picture. So um, in the Magic Eye books that you can get, there are these 3D images that will appear by focusing on 2D patterns now for me i don't like them i get frustrated by these things why don't you just put it plainly in front of my face thank you um but what i don't like further is that some people can see it and they pick it up straight away i'm left missing out and not catching what the image actually is if we aren't careful this morning we won't see this count correctly and I don't want us to miss the incredible painting and the incredible meaning here. Because see, what can happen is, is, you can hear all the things that you need to do and miss the one who is commandeering the boat. The one who's actually calling and rescuing somebody who's totally unaware. And so would we look at this picture and be absolutely amazed? <clears throat> I have um, four points this morning. I want us to see in this passage, as we look at this quote-unquote painting, um, I want us to see Jesus' pursuit. I want to show you and point out the way Jesus is on a rescue mission. I want to point out the way that Jesus assures and assigns his disciples. And then I want us to look at then the response of the way our Savior rescues us and calls us to himself. So I want us to walk away with this one hope that we will see Jesus and how he pursues us and how he rescues us and how he assures us and assigns us and then I want us to see how we are to respond. And that way we respond is to follow him. And so my first point this morning is found in verses 1 to 3, Jesus's pursuit. <clears throat> on one occasion, just a happenstance, no doubt, while the crowd is pressing in on him, that being Jesus, to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Genesaret, which is actually the Sea of Galilee. It's the only place here in Luke's account where he calls it um, the Lake of Genesaret. So, but Jesus sees two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them. They were done for the day, and they're washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from his boat. You know, through Luke so far, just to kind of get a broader uh, picture of what's going on here, Luke has been revealing that Jesus is the Christ— he desires theophilus who is the um who this letter has been written to to have certainty about what he has learned so luke has taken us from the very beginning about uh, at the beginning of this letter he takes us to john john is a prophesied prophet and he has come and luke is pointing that out and then we see the response to that and then we hear about jesus coming a fulfillment of a prophecy and Luke goes and tells us more about Jesus and his manhood, his boyhood, his genealogy. And he is confirming that Jesus is fully man and he is fully God. Why? Why is he taking, us, taking labor to um, pains to show us that Jesus is fully God and fully man? Because it is only God in the flesh who can save us. You know, something in this piece of art that I wouldn't want you to miss is that Jesus is the Savior of the world, and yet he is God as well. And so here we have Jesus in the flesh on his rescue mission. Jesus has come to preach the good news we hear, we heard about last week in John chapter four, and he is about fulfilling his father's will, and he's calling disciples to himself. He's actually pursuing them. He is actually rescuing them, and he assures them and assigns them with a task. But here, on the banks of the Sea of Galilee, Luke wants us to pause. So many things the Lord has done in his ministry... But why has Luke chosen to stop here? There is a reason. And I want you to know as a church. And if you're a listener and you're wondering about sovereign grace. We believe that every single word that God has given to us is divinely inspired. It is to be considered. It is to be listened to. And so that is why we are slowly going through the book of Luke. Because it is worthy of our heart's attention. And so today in this piece of art that we're looking at, I want you to see that this man, this prophesied baby is now grown into a man. Not only is he like you and I, but he is the son of God and he is doing what his father has called him to do to rescue folks like you and I. And here on this occasion, people are drawn to Jesus. They are beginning to see there's something special about this man. And they are pressing in on him to hear him. They want to hear what he has to say. Because they're recognizing he teaches a lot different than everybody else. He teaches with an authority. It's attractive. It's drawing people in. It's words of hope. And so this painting tells us... It doesn't tell us exactly what Jesus preaches. But we know that he's about preaching the kingdom of God. So that's what we learned last week. In verse chapter 4 verse 43. If you cast your eyes up there. It says I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God. To other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. And we will see further along as we move through Luke. That Jesus keeps moving to call people to himself. So we know Jesus is preaching. But not the details. And now Jesus sees this crowd, but I want, where's Simon? Simon's um, not in his boat, we understand. He's cleaning nets. Now, people are coming, in fact, crowds are coming. But we have a problem here. There is a logistical problem. The crowds are coming. Uh, that's a lot of people. And now they're wanting to hear Jesus preach. And so Jesus is surveying the land. And thinking how am I going to speak to all these people. And so just happenstance. He calls Peter. And says Peter can I. You push me out onto your boat. I'm going to get into your boat. And I'm going to preach to these people. Where's Peter? Where's Simon Peter? He's in the boat. Now Peter and his, we learn in Peter, um, in Mark chapter 1, that Peter has some brothers. Simon Peter has a brother named Andrew, and they have some buddies named James and John from the sons of Zebedee. They work together, and they're fishermen. But they've just come in from a hard day's work. They have been out fishing. Usually the final sign of a fisherman finishing up his task is he's washing his nets. But now Jesus is asking Simon to put out a little from the land. Picture these guys doing some backbreaking work, tired, ready for bed, and now Jesus wants to use their boat as a pulpit to speak to this crowd. What may seem as just a happenstance here, friends, I don't want you to miss it. Jesus is actually pursuing. On this ordinary occasion, monotony is broken. The regular, everyday patterns of Peter's life, fishing all night, coming in, is all of a sudden broken. And I think we need to stop and see how has it been broken. It's been broken by a crowd. It's been broken by good news of the kingdom of God being preached. But is Simon actually paying attention to what Jesus is saying? I mean, he's now seated in a boat, tired, imagine, warm sun, bobbing up and down on the Sea of Galilee. But it's easy to miss the 3D image before us. Jesus is pursuing Simon and he's got him in a boat out on the Sea of Galilee. Jesus does pursue us. In Psalm 139, 7 to 8, there's a beautiful picture that tells us of the way that God has formed us and made us. It tells us that he knows everything about us. There's nowhere that we can hide from his presence. There's nowhere that we can go from his presence that he cannot be seen. But one of the most beautiful pictures about Jesus, God the Father pursuing us, is in the garden, all the way back in the Garden of Eden. You see, Adam and Eve had done what they were not told to do. They had broken God's law. There in the perfection of the garden. God comes walking in the cool of the night. And says to the man. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 9. But the Lord called man and said to him. Where are you? Jesus pursues us. And here I think he is pursuing Simon. What an amazing picture that comes forward. As we look at this image as we look at this painting but not only is jesus pursuing he is going to rescue um rescue us i want you to think about for a moment though what should you do when someone pursues you have you ever been pursued by someone has anybody tried to get your attention when somebody pursues you the kind thing to do is to listen to them I don't know if you struggle to listen, but I can struggle to listen. Listen defined is paying attention, giving somebody your undivided attention. Jesus is pursuing Peter as Simon Peter, and Simon Peter needs to listen. Here, what we see moving forward is that Jesus is going to rescue him. He tells Peter in chapter and verse 4, and then he had finished speaking and said to Simon, he's finished speaking to the crowd, and he says to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Jesus is actually going to be rescuing Simon by making this request to put out into the deep. If we get inside Simon's head here for a moment, um I wonder if Simon's going, uh, what in the world are you telling me to go out into the deep for? I'm a fisherman, you're a carpenter, and you're a pretty good teacher, but what do you know about fishing? Why are you telling me to pull out into the deep and let down the, uh, let down the fish? I recently went to a birthday party. Actually, it wasn't recently. Probably a couple years ago, I went to a birthday party where a husband wanted to make his wife a birthday cake. The wife is watching the husband attempt to make the birthday cake, um, and the sad. Thing, well, the reality is the wife was an excellent cake maker. The husband wasn't a cake maker. He had a different profession. But what he was doing was he was trying to make a cake, but. But but should he have been doing the cake thing? Just similar to that or somewhat similar to that. It kind of feels like that when we get here in this passage. What does the son of a carpenter know about fishing? What can he offer? You see, Simon's been up all night. Because fish are... uh, The best time to catch fish is at nighttime and in deep waters. But fish don't generally surface during bright hours of sunshine. You see, the f- best fishing, if you'd like to explore fishing, is at nighttime. Now, granted, fishermen don't always catch fish like the night Simon had just had. And for fishermen, when they come in from a night of fishing and not catching anything, they can become very discouraged and tired. They probably should be sleeping right about the time that Jesus is getting him to row out. And he's just finished mending his nets. The last thing Simon probably wants to do is to row out into the deep and dirty all those nets all over again. I also want you to take a look in this picture as the the crowd has gathered to the shore. Jesus has just finished teaching. Are they now watching Jesus and Peter and whoever else is in the boat row out going, what are they doing? It's crazy. But look how Peter responds in verse 5. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down those these nets. You see, Simon's reply shows he's not really happy about this. Uh, Who wants to get advice from someone who has a different line of work? He's probably thinking, "Uh, Jesus, I'm the professional here. You stick to teaching. I'll stick to fishing, thanks. But notice how Jesus has broken into Simon's world. He's about to show him something. He's about to rescue him. Because Jesus is on a mission. And he's been on a mission in order to rescue you. And he is on a mission rescuing Simon Peter. You see, Jesus elected Simon Peter. He has elected those who will be called his sons and daughters. And right now he is determined and he is uh, specifically pursuing Simon You see, not only does Jesus elect him, but he shows him something else. Jesus, when he calls you to himself, he doesn't just call you because he wants your worship. He wants your work as well. He wants to interfere into Simon's occupation, his fishing. And even though Simon can't see that, and even though Simon is reluctant, Simon obeys And he says, but at your word, I will let down these nets. Simon listened and obeyed. And even before, even though he wasn't sure it was the right thing to do, he cast his nets. This first disciple, like all other disciples, most likely have doubts. They are skeptics in need of rescuing. Are you A skeptic about the things of God? Do you have questions and wonders and curiosities about who God is? In verses 6 and 7, listen to what happens. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners on the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats. So that they began to sink. I think what happens to Simon Peter is what Luke will, have, will hopes will happen to all of us who read his gospel. That all would start knowing Jesus for sure. Trusting in Jesus' word. You see, it took a miracle for Simon and his mates to know Jesus for sure. But first though, they had to let down their nets. What did they get? They got a catch of a lifetime, but oh, so much more. Imagine what this must have looked like from the shore. People are watching, remember? They could probably see that the boat was in trouble and see the the splashing waters about. And then the boat begins to sink, the account tells us. And then another boat starts rowing out to help them. These aren't small boats. They're about 8.2 meters long and about 2.3 meters wide they are big boats and fish are filling those boats picture the the scene struggling to pull the nets in and then having the boat begin to sink it's intense it is also the thing that fishermen would dream of imagine the bragging rights at the pub about this catch but the point is see the painting Look past the boat sinking, look past the nets breaking, look past the catch of a lifetime and all the money. And behold, here is the Lord of the fish. Here is the Lord of the fishermen, the Lord of nature, the Lord of men and their daily work. I was reading one commentary this week week as I was studying. And he took us all the way back to the Exodus. Where the flies and the gnats and the frogs. He rules and controls them all. This is a miraculous catch. And at the word of Jesus, the fish obey. Behold, it is another miracle that is performed by the power of his mighty word. Oh, friend... Do you behold his mighty word? Simon lowered his nets and at his word they're filled to breaking. What does this tell us? It encourages us and points us to taking Jesus at his word. So many of us are tempted to think, "Ah, I don't need to I don't need that. That's just an opinion." Some of us have accepted the word and we forget about it. We forget and move on as if God doesn't speak to us. If you are ignoring God's word, I would plead with you to heed his word. If you are forgetting his word and living independently, thinking you've got this, I would encourage you, don't do that. Tend to his word because he speaks to us. Simon is learning to take Jesus at his word. We can learn to take Jesus at his word. And now we're about to see something in this painting. Simon's going to get rescued out on the Sea of Galilee. Look with me at verse 8. But when Simon Peter saw these fish flopping in and the the nets breaking, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. So with the boat sinking, nets breaking, fish flopping all over, this miraculous catch leads Simon to see himself as he truly is. And he needs rescuing. In fact, Simon, this passage tells us, Luke wants us to see the response. Simon falls down then and there on his knees and confesses that he is a sinner Suddenly, in Jesus' presence, he realizes that he is so unworthy that he is not even fit to ride in the same boat as Jesus. One commentator writes, This miracle spoke to Peter in a very special manner. For he was a fisherman by trade and knew how humanly impossible it was to catch fish successfully in the lake in the early morning hours. The Lord's revelation of power in the field of Peter's own particular calling, the trade of a fisherman, consequently made a very powerful impression on him. And that is why it was precisely after this event that he fell down before the Savior with an overwhelming sense of his superhuman divine glory and a deep realization of his own utter sinfulness. See, earlier, Simon had called Jesus Master. Upon witnessing Jesus' divine majesty, he now calls him Lord. Simon is aware that he is in the presence of someone perfectly holy, and he is not. So he falls on his knees and he confesses his sinful nature. I have a question for you. When you go out into nature, when you get into a situation where you are so overwhelmed, do you begin to see yourself as you really are? Have you come as you hear God's word to realize who you really are in all of your sin? When we see ourselves as we really are, we see Jesus as he really is. Let me say that again. We see ourselves as we really are by seeing Jesus as he really is in all of his power and in all of his majesty. It's what happened to Job when Job is confessing at the end of his book. He's confessing in repentance and he uh, repents in ash and dust because he sees God's glory and recognizes who he is. He's small in comparison to almighty powerful god it's what happened to isaiah when he and he has that vision of the the the, the temple and and god in his majesty sitting on his throne in that robe filling the room and and then he's aware of woe is me my unclean lips my eyes have seen the glory of the lord it happened to peter out on the Sea of Galilee, he's seeing the glory of the Lord and he falls down in reverence. This is a great turning point for each and every follower of Jesus. Eventually, every disciple of Jesus who is rescued will respond in the same way that Simon does and says... I am a sinful man or woman or boy or girl. I am. Behold the rescuing mission of Jesus. In his kindness, he shows us who we are and who he is. But he's there to rescue us. Will you accept his rescuing? When we see Jesus as he truly is, we see ourselves as we truly are. And it turns us, it can turn us to Jesus. He and only he, my friends, has made the sacrifices for our iniquities, for our sins, for our um, uh, offenses against almighty God. And then he's taken away all of our sin. And it's only he and only he who can forgive sins, which we will understand more through the big book of Luke. But he and only he can give life. He and only he can give us our lives back and put our lives back together. I don't know if you realize that we, when we disobey God, we are, when we reject God, we are termed sinners. We are turning our back on him. And there is a rescuer and his name is Jesus. And he helps us see that there is a better way and he offers us hope. So run to him and be rescued. But after you, uh, he rescues us, he assures and he assigns. Do you tend to think, well, that sounds really great. I would love to be rescued and I recognize that I am a sinner and I have, don't know the ways of God. And I'm not even quite sure what you're talking about, but I wonder to think, I wonder if you think about it. Well, you know what? I don't know if I'm actually even good enough or what I actually need to do in order to be saved. When you see yourself in light of Jesus though, you might have a propensity or a temptation to run away. But I think today through God's words you will see that you aren't the first person who ever wanted to run away when they encountered God and his greatness and his majesty. You see Simon in verse 8 says, But then Simon Peter saw and fell on down at his feet saying, Depart from me um, for I am a sinful man. Peter, uh, Simon Peter, wants to get away from the Lord because he's uncomfortable. But if you're new to the Bible, Simon is quite a refreshing character for us. Many of us can relate to him. Um, For those of us that do know Simon, isn't this just like him, kind of jumping to the wrong conclusion about Jesus? Because when he sees that he's a a sinner, he decides, look, I can't have anything to do with you, Jesus. I, I, I couldn't be in a relationship with you. Do you sometimes feel that way? Do you sort of have questions that you are too bad to be in a relationship with Jesus? He could never change your life or your situation. We can't come into God's presence because we're too guilty or we don't deserve what he has to offer. But friends, I want to let you know this morning that that is exactly why Jesus came. You see, he came to bring us close to him. He came to die on a cross for our sins. And not only did he die, he rose again, defeating the power of sin and death. He didn't stay on the cross and just die. He rose again, conquering sin and death. And still our sinful, guilty hearts want to push him away. But rather than pushing him away, would you fall on your knees asking for forgiveness that only he can offer? You see, Jesus never leaves a sinner who truly repents. He didn't leave Simon. Look what he did. Look with me at verses nine and 10. He says, for he and all who were with him were astonished at this catch of fish that had um, that they had taken in and so also were James and John the sons of Zebedee who were partners with Simon and Jesus said to them do not be afraid from now on you will be catching men and all of their astonishment Jesus is reassuring Simon don't be afraid your sin doesn't disqualify you it's me who qualifies you Simon is overly aware of what a sinner he is. I'm very sinful, perhaps even too sinful to be in your presence. And Jesus says, don't be afraid, Simon. I have got you, Simon. I have what you need, Simon. And Simon, I have a purpose for you. There is a way for you, Simon, to glorify me with your life. I'm going to rescue you, Simon. You see, true repentance comes from, uh, uh, sorry, uh, repentance is usually followed by service, excuse me. It's followed by service, not necessarily works and, and duty, but service comes from love and thanksgiving. It's a right response. And so, Jesus is going to prepare Simon to come and follow him and do things. Simon is going to become a fisher of men. Something every true disciple is called to do. Telling others about Jesus. You see, Jesus is informing Simon, you've actually got a new job from now on. From now on, Simon, you won't be getting in a boat fishing. Simon, you're actually going to be leaving the family business, something that you've been taught and trained in, something that your dad and grandfather and, and, and brother, and you're going to be leaving that. And I've got a new task for you, Simon. I am rescuing you. I'm pursuing you. I'm assuring you and assigning you with a new task. You know, the Greek word here used for, for catching implies a continuous action. He's not just going to one-time catch or one-time fish. He's going to be continually catching fish men. Another thing about the, the Greek used here is that there is this understanding that Simon will be catching alive. Which conveys this idea of he's going to be rescuing men from danger. That is a bit of a different way of, of of fishing because fishermen actually catch fish to to eat and sell them, um, not saving them. Jesus is calling Simon to be a new kind of fisherman, one who seeks to rescue others from danger and for those who maybe use fishing as a sport, kind of get that idea of it 's that catch and release, but there 's a link here Jesus. People who are caught by the gospel are going to be released from their sin. I want you to go catch people, Peter. And I want you to help them see that they are going to be free from their sin. They are going to be released from that burden. Have you ever heard people say, give a man a fish and you freed him for a day? Or teach a man to fish and you feed him for a lifetime? Jesus is showing us that to teach a man to fish for men, the people that he catches are going to live forever. Live forever with him. Think back to the time where Jesus is, is um, walking through the streets of Israel and he 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 points out to people, there is a better way. Remember the woman at the well, the woman caught in adultery? There are people that he's rescuing and pointing out. He's freeing them. He's rescuing them. And Simon is going to excel in this new role that he's given. He's going to go on to preach repentance and faith. And he's going to be hauling in boatloads of believers. And if you want to follow me up on that, read through the book of Acts. This man is Growing and, and, and rescuing. He's on the great rescue mission with his savior. Now, after Jesus rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, Simon cast his gospel net by preaching the gospel in Jerusalem. And at one time, at one preach, 3,000 people came to faith in Jesus Christ. I mean, Simon had a unique and special gift, but I want you to understand through this painting that as you look at it, you have the same calling. I have the same calling. It's for all who follow Jesus that we have a new assignment. And that is to fish for men. To catch them alive and help them see that they're released from their sins. Oh my, wasn't this good news? Now, I wonder though. Are you ever tempted to believe that evangelism is just not my gift? Some other people are more gifted at it. However, I want you to know. The call to tell people about Jesus is for every single one of us who has been rescued by saving grace. We are all called to be a kind of fisher of men, women, boys, and girls. Did you know that evangelism is, I don't want to take this too far, but evangelism is a lot like fishing, being a fisherman. Because a fisherman never knows what he's going to catch, right? I mean, Peter and Andrew... And James and John, it sounds like the night before they didn't catch anything and they're professionals. The catch is up to the sovereignty of God, my friend. But here's the thing if a fisherman refuses to drag their nets, they're never going to catch anything at all. Are you casting a net? Are you fishing at all? Or do you feel discouraged? I haven't done anything. I'm not very good at it. Look at them. Look at Brendan. He's always bringing them in. Look at others. They're, they're better at it than I am. But it's not an excuse. If a fisherman refuses to drag his net, he'll never catch anything. But rest assured, not every time you throw the line or throw the net are you going to catch something. So here's the question, though that can ask that I can ask you, and I'm asking myself: Do we actually feel ineffective in evangelism? Perhaps we're not actually um, um, we can we can improve on the way that we ask questions, or the way we engage in conversations, or even the way we bring truth to bear. I would encourage you that um, don't stop evangelizing, but perhaps equip yourself to become a better fisherman. Invite others to, to help you um, read about how to share your faith. Um, study God's word and, and and be amazed by his truths and put them in your heart so that you're able to talk about them. And I reckon another great way for us to grow in in, in our gospel fluency is by sharing the gospel within our GCs with one another on the nights where we're gathering because every single one of us needs to hear the gospel every day over and over and over again. Oh, but please don't lose sight, friends. God assigns us to keep casting our nets because this is how sinners get to hear the good news. You might have colleagues, you might have neighbors, you might have family members who you think know, but they don't know. They haven't had the true gospel explained to them or shared to them. A wonderful Scottish theologian in a monologue on the art of man fishing, he writes this. I find this really encouraging. I don't have a Scottish accent, so I won't pretend to do, but um, listen to these words. Seeing I am called out to preach this everlasting gospel, it is my duty to endeavor, and it is my desire to be, Lord, thou knowest, a fisher of men. But alas, I may come in with my complaints to my Lord that I've toiled in some measure but caught nothing. For anything I know as to the conversion of any soul. I fear, I may say, I've almost spent my strength and vain and my labor for naught. For Israel is not gathered, O oh, my soul." What may be the cause of this? Why does a preaching so, why does my preaching so little good? No doubt part of the blame lies on myself and a great part of it too. But who can give help in this case but the Lord himself? And how can I expect it from him but by prayer and faith in the promises and consulting his word where I, I may by his spirit shining on my heart Shine, O son of righteousness, learn how to carry and what to do to the end of the gospel preached by me may not be unsuccessful. Therefore, did my heart cry out after Christ this day and my soul was moved when I read that sweet promise of Christ. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men directed to those who would follow him. What the Lord does with our witness, brothers and sisters Is his business. But our business is to be fishers of men. Oh, stay silent. No longer in your homes and in your workplaces and in your neighborhoods and in your sporting clubs. Cast that net and may the spirit of God fill those nets. All the while looking to him who calls. And let's see what happens when the net is cast. My last point is Simon's response to Jesus. Look with me at verse 11. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. To be honest, this is one of the most dramatic moments in all of Luke's gospel. Because you see, Simon and his friends, they had—they were familiar with Jesus. They'd listened to him before. They'd watched him a bit. They were even following him a little bit. But they hadn't come to that saving, rescuing, assuring, and assigning point where they were going to become fishers of men and respond to him. But here, this is where Luke brings our gaze to the Sea of Galilee. The first disciple, Jesus called to himself. He called, they answered, leaving everything behind. Think about that for a moment, my friends. Peter, Simon Peter, and his friends are going to leave everything behind. That's job, family, business. How are you going to go tell mom and dad that? He's going to leave his old sins behind. Who he once was. He's not going to carry that with him. Who he once was. Is now gone. He's going to leave safety and security behind. For what else does he know? And they left. Their right to call their lives their own. Have you left. Everything to him, to direct you in whatever way he wants, when he rescues you and saves you, that our response would be, oh Lord, here, I will follow you and I will make fishers of men. And so as we close, I have a few questions for you to consider. Have you sensed the Lord pursuing you? then I would encourage you, keep listening to him. Stop and listen to his word. Give him your attention because he is pursuing you even now if you do not know him. Has he rescued you once? And do you know what? He's rescued you and now you think, do you know what? I actually haven't lived the way that he wants me to and I need re-rescuing. Can I tell you something? When you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your name is written in the lamb 's Book of Life. You are justified, but what happens is is we move away and we move away and we move away from our Savior. and what we do is instead of falling on our knees and saying, "Oh holy God, change me. I need help." We run and we hide. That process is called sanctification. You are being made into his image. Flee from him no longer and run to him. He rescues today. And leave all that junk behind you. He has a new plan and a purpose for his followers. Has he rescued you once and you don't think he'll rescue you again? I think he will. In fact, I know he will. And I wonder too then when you consider this assignment... Listen to his assurance. Do not be afraid. If you feel inadequate in carrying out your assignment, ask for help. That's what we're here for. Your brothers and sisters in Christ are with you in this. So if you're here today and you are not, or if you're listening today online and you're not following Jesus, the right response then is to answer his call. All of us sense that we have a purpose in life or a meaning for life, but that's found in Jesus. So make him your Lord like Simon did. Do it today. Trust in his word. Trust his word. And if you need to talk to somebody, talk to somebody about it. Um, I think you can message us in after this, after the message. For the rest of us, if this is a um, familiar story, Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you know him and you are on mission, I would just encourage you, keep casting that net, never forgetting that it is him who feels the net. This is an amazing picture about Jesus and who he is. I want to share something with you that's probably um, a little bit unusual. But, you know, the practice of preaching is a very, very... um, wonderful gift this morning i woke up at four o'clock in the morning with this sense from the holy spirit change what you've written because the focus is sometimes in a picture we can focus on what we're supposed to do and miss what he's done for us when you look at those images those 2d images may a 3d image come forth and it be jesus has rescued you Jesus has pursued you, and Jesus wants to assure you and assign you, go and be fishers of men. Your response is, follow him. Let me pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for your word. It's living and it's active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. And you call us to yourselves. And I pray this morning, Lord, that you will continue to, by your grace, by your spirit, call men and women to yourselves lord would many more simon peters come to know you would many more brendan willis's come to know you would many more boys and girls come and understand you as their lord and savior oh lord and then would we become great fishers of men and would we cast our net looking to you the one who fills it jesus you are truly amazing and we love you Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your rescuing grace of um, forgiveness. Thank you that you call us by name and bring us home. And you will safely bring us home. And we look forward to that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.